Welcome to the Parent Guide to Education podcast. Today we're talking about gender identity with Esther and Kit Marie, and this is part of our Difficult but Important Conversations series. This was originally broadcast as a live Facebook event. Hello and welcome to another of our Difficult but Important Conversation podcasts. And today we are talking about gender, gender identity, kind of all the associated things that come with it. And I have not one, but two guests today. Very exciting. So um, I might get you to introduce yourselves, if that's okay, because I always feel like people do a better job of it than I do when I try. So Esther, do you want to go first? I will. Um, so, okay. My name's Esther. I am originally from the Netherlands, but I've lived in the UK since 99. And I started the podcast Fifty Shades of Gender a couple of years ago, and Kit has been my guest twice. And besides that, I am a designer. I like to call myself like a creative rebel, intuitive designer and queer mystic. So that's what I'm playing with at the moment. That's me. Kit? Nice. And intriguing. I think we might need to dig back into that in a moment. I'll take it first. Uh, Kit, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Hi everybody. My name is uh, Kit Marie, and my pronouns are they, them, or she, her. Um, he was fine, interchangeably. Um, and in fact, Esther is a dear friend of mine. Is one of the first people I spoke about my gender journey to a long time ago now. Um, but I... I don't like labels per se. Maybe we'll chat about that a bit later. But for simplicity... I'll say that I identify as a, a trans non-binary um, feminine person, um, demigirl, all these words coming out now. Um, but in my day job, I work for the University of Stanglia as an outreach officer and I have an education background. And for my sins, I used to be a geography teacher. Please don't hold it against me. Oh, as an ex-maths teacher, I won't. You're okay. <laughs> geography is applied maths, of course. <laughs> Goodness. So um, I guess probably the best place to start is let's let's talk a little bit about the terms and and the labels to some extent and and kind of that because there are so many. And I know that students, I mean, I'm talking to my teenager, they all seem quite happy with all the definitions and they know what everything is. And, and those of us that perhaps grew up when this stuff wasn't really talked about so much, it's kind of new and therefore sometimes a little bit confusing. So can you give us the kind of like the idiot's guide to the terms that we're likely to hear and what our kids are talking about? Go for it, Kit. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what a good idea is because you've spoken to so many different people, Esther. If I kind of start with mine and then you can expand to say, I've also heard, what do you reckon? Does that sound like a plan? That sounds great. Let's do right. that. We're, we're collaborative here, folks. Um, so to, just let everybody know, so I am in my 40s, so I am of the era of growing up through Section 28. Uh, I am also someone who is relatively new to a lot of these terms. So as I've gone through my own gender identity, I've been trying to figure out what this all means myself as well, and some of these terms are new to me. So just because I seem to use them fluently doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I'm an expert on any of them. Okay, so let's start with, let's start with the most obvious, shall we say, transgender. So uh, transgender means you identify as the gender which is opposite to the assigned uh, at birth. So I was assigned male at birth um, from what the doctors could see. <laughs> um, but 
I don't feel that in my internal sense of self. My gender does not match being male. So if it doesn't matter if you're, it's not, it doesn't have to be binary. It doesn't have to be you feel female, even though you were assigned male. It could be non-binary, it was just you don't identify with the gender you were assigned at birth. So you could be non-binary, but assigned female. You may classify yourself as transgender. And this comes from the, the prefix trans, which means to be across from, which is opposite to the, the prefix cis gender so cisgender means on the side of it's just a latin prefix now we don't say um the reason why you don't hear cisgender that often is because we don't talk about oh you know i'm going to go on holiday on, i'm going to go on a cisatlantic holiday which basically means i'm just going to stay in the uk and go on holiday right so you don't you don't you don't hear it that often but you definitely hear transatlantic holiday right so i'm going to go across the atlantic to go on holiday so so cis and trans are just prefixes they're just latin prefixes they're, they're adjectives so then we go to non-binary. So if you think of, I think of gender as a galaxy, but let's let's simplify it into a spectrum, a binary spectrum, which is a bit reductive, but we'll go with that. So you've got really masculine, masculine on one side, really feminine on feminine on the other side. But anywhere that doesn't sit completely one or the other, but in between, you could say is non-binary. Makes sense, right? Binary is two, well, in between the two, non-binary. You could be a little bit feminine, a little bit masculine. You could be dead in the middle and androgynous. It's an umbrella term. So now this is where it starts to get a bit a bit fuzzy now, a bit more specific with me. So gender fluid is one I didn't say, which means my gender kind of changes a little bit. Um, for me, it changes between slight androgyny, kind of in the middle of genders, to being very feminine. So it depends on, on the circumstances, social situations, whatever. Uh, demi-girl, demi is half. So I'm kind of halfway towards being a girl if you like so and there are other other ones as well but they are the they are the ones i kind of give give people to help them know where i sit even though that in themselves is quite inadequate but so, so they're the four so i'm going to pass it over to my good friend esther now because esther's heard a lot more terms than just those four <laughs> <laughs> okay and now it's like i probably won't gender. Probably won't think of any now. We're like, no. Um, well, <laughs> agender comes to mind. I really, I'm, I'm quite fascinated with that. Um, so, agender is like not identifying with gender at all. So, and and it's it can be like under the non-binary umbrella, as I understand it, or it can be outside of that altogether. Because people say, okay, non-binary says what well, I'm not, but what it is, like, you know, what is it? What is it really? And I know people use non-binary as an identity, and also it's an umbrella term as well, right? Um, yeah, Demi Girl, Demi Boy. I've had a few of those on the podcast. Um, what else? Maverick comes to mind. That's one I haven't really got my head around yet, but that's something quite unique and different. It's I also, new to me. I've not heard that. Yeah, one. yeah, it's an interesting one. Like the LGBTA wiki is so good. It's got so many terms on it. It's like that's where I'm on all the time. Even if I want to write anything up for my glossary on the website, you know, so I feel like I want to, I want to explain the term, but use my own words, but also. Yeah, it's really tricky to find find the right words for stuff. And also some people might agree with it and some people might not. So um, one of the things I definitely learned from the podcast is everyone's gender experience is so unique. One person might say being trans is this is what it means for me. And another person might have a completely different, you know, experience of it and including all the other labels as well. Um, that aside, rabbit hole, <laughs> brain. So, yeah, other terms. I really like the terms like this transmasculine and transfeminine as well, which I I feel like sit 
somewhere in between now probably in my head right this is not like these are not the rules this is just like how i understand it all from the conversations i've had so yeah someone who's trans masculine might have been identified as female at birth but doesn't you know is on the way to to you know on the way to that side on the way i i, I feel like i've lost my train of thought anyway so yeah trans masculine transfer i was with you there i think it's yeah yeah kind of just an an additional clue because otherwise some of the terms as you said are quite umbrella terms yeah it's just it's, it's about getting your head around the fact that historically gender has always been like a light switch it's on or it's off you're a girl or you're a boy and that's it yeah yeah but it's totally. not it's more mm-hmm. like a dimmer switch there's just kind of everything yeah. in between and, like and all of those different things are are different depending on you and your experience mm. and Mm. who you feel you are and that's right I, mean, that, that I think kind of listeners can take comfort the, the listeners that are taking comfort whether they're young people trying to discover their gender identity or their parents of your you've got here someone who is an ally two people are an ally and a trans person who still aren't quite getting it so folks if you're listening to this and you're completely confused right? well actually <laughs> I, I, I like to see that as not a bad thing. I like to see that as a good thing because now I will go all geography teacher. I apologize, everybody. We've, we've 8 billion people on this planet stemming from a history where there wasn't no binary concept of gender. That's a colonial con- construct, but we won't go into that because that's a different discussion altogether. But we have such a, an amazing diversity in this world where gender is all over the place. you know. And these boxes did not exist. People were just you know their positions in society the way they're existing how they would manifest their, their personalities and their culture or whatever so the fact that we are attempting to put things in the labels anyway is tricky in itself and what one as lester you said quite eloquently i thought even though you said you lost train of thought what one person says they describe themselves as transgender another person may not so if i i've spoken to a lot of indigenous people for example who and they say we respect and we are allies and we have solidarity with trans people because obviously we've got two spirit people we've got third gender whatever you know but we are not transgender that is a colonial that is a western construct because we've never Mm. had binary genders so even when you talk to them it's you see that it's not even straightforward for them so if you're listening to this thinking well, this hasn't really helped. I've, I've learned some definitions, but it's not really helped. That's okay. That's valid. That's totally valid. Um, Folks. Yeah. And useful and important. You're right. Because it's getting your head around something that is new and you, you've not ever thought about before. It's, it's one of those things where if you've never experienced it, if it's not been part of your lived experience, you don't understand it until you've been there and been in the situation so I have um, had a relationship with someone who had depression at the time did not get why he couldn't get out of bed and and at least call in sick to work like why can't you do that then I had depression and I totally get it because I could not like reach over across the sofa to get the remote that's so you don't understand these things until it becomes part of your your lived experience your your daily everything and Mm. and then so so explaining it to other people is difficult because they're not in your head and they don't know how you're dealing with things they don't know how you're feeling so yeah it's just Mm. I think it's important to remember 
right. Yeah, and, and even like what, what I'm finding as well is like, even though we have a general idea of maybe what depression is or what transgender means or non-binary means, you know, still someone might, you know, I don't know, have a slightly different experience themselves than the general definition of it because I think it's risky for people I think people like they're enthusiastic and they're curious and they want to help and they want to do the right thing and when someone says oh I'm non-binary they'll say oh I know what that means that means this and this and this and it can be so tricky to fall into that trap and mm. what it's good to say is like oh I've learned about this um what I've learned is that it means this but what does it mean to you does that resonate you? Yep. with you how, what is your experience like, you know, and sort yep. of keep the conversation open rather than gotcha. I've got this, you know, and, yeah. and that's the other thing for people listening to take comfort in, you know, you may not be questioning your gender or you might be questioning, you may be assigned male at birth and you may feel male. And so you're cisgender, but you might still feel uncomfortable with your personal identity because you don't identify as the stereotypically American high school movie definition of what a, man, a, a boy is, a teenage, you know. So even within the cisgender identities, there is such a massive array of, of, of diversity. So, so that's something to take comfort in as well, because, you know, you, you parents listen to this, you know, you think children, oh, you know, yeah, my, my son, cisgender son, you know, has always been into, you know, beautiful things, nature, listening, quiet, peace and quiet. That doesn't make him effeminate. That doesn't make him a girl. That That's his personality. That's how he identifies him. That's how he expresses his masculinity, perhaps. So that's the other thing to bear in mind in this is that so when we're all having this conversation about what is transgender, you can have equally valid, deep conversation of what it means to be cisgender as well. So that's quite for me, that's quite liberating rather than constraining. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that, actually, because it yeah. makes me think about what we assign masculine and feminine to. They're, they're just qualities, Absolutely. someone who's like soft or nurturing or um, I don't know, all this stuff. You know, why is that feminine? They're just qualities. That's like nothing to do with the other thing. And, and being yeah. strong and being resilient and stuff like that. Why is that masculine? They're just qualities that we can all have. Or I know not. some very, very strong and resilient women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> trans. right it's, i guess it's kind of like and this is just me kind of trying to get my head around things and i i work in analogies that's how my brain works so i was going oh so when i was growing up i would have said i was a big queen fan but you can be a big <laughs> queen fan who went to all their gigs and has all the merch and has like knows every word to everything or you can be me who had many of the albums loved their stuff, watched a couple of documentaries and things, or you can be like, well, I liked their greatest hits album. Like All those people, still Queen fans. It's yep. just varying degrees. And that's what a great analogy. Yeah, person. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. Yeah. We should be playing that I Want to Break Free you know, track up <laughs> at the back of this, everybody. That's it's right. Perfect. <laughs> it's, it's classic. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's kind of, let's go into what we can talk about which um you know which which is less uh, um, ambiguous i guess your lived experience so your experience of going through this what you've discovered how did you decide on you know what what was the moment where you kind of went hang on a minute i don't have to be this label i don't feel like this label what where did that 
begin? So I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Kit Marie first. If that's okay. Uh, but talk us through the journey, if uh, wow. or as much as you're willing to share, because I'm aware that's probably going to be a long conversation. And well, not not just not just that. Um, I will give Esther's um, it's, it's podcast a plug session, because I've gone through this. Yeah. Because I've spent what equivalent of two and a half hours on your podcast talking about my journey, so I'll give the very succinct version. Uh, the the story I will I will re uh, re retell though, which is which is quite relevant, is that when I realised my identity, or, or I was starting to come to terms with my identity, memories going back as far as me being five years old suddenly came into clarity. Memories that used to confuse me, that used to bother me, that used to actually keep keep me awake at night. The earliest memory I have was being in reception class and the lovely Miss Mills, my reception class teacher. So this would have been 1987, 1988. Um, section 28 in full swing, right, everybody? So she, for the very first time, she gets out these two boxes. There's a blue box and a red box. And she's like, right, we're going to play dress up now. So the very first time, they're like, yeah, of course, that's being four or five-year-old kids rushing over to these boxes. And like, I go over to the red box and like looking around and I pull out this beautiful fairy dress. And Miss Mills, I, I can't remember if she puts her hands on my hand or she's like, no, dear, that box is for the girls. And at the time, I was like, I felt disappointed. I felt, why? You know, they were the kind of things. But it that was a moment, a memory that stuck with me for years and years and years and years and years and years. And I didn't know why it stuck with me so much. Now I understand why that was. It's because I was, my identity, even at that young age, was drawn to what was in that box. And I couldn't understand why I was forbidden from touching anything inside of that box and how it was not societally acceptable. So now, of course, lots of things have happened, as I say, I've, I've, I've described before. But um, as I was teaching high school, I'd always been a very a, a professionally affectionate teacher. I would always be someone who kids would come and speak to me, you know, that kind of stereotypically nurturing kind of teacher, whatever. Um, and there was this one occasion where for a year 11 concert, I dressed up in drag for to raise money. It felt really, really comfortable. Um, and so, you know, that was another indication. But it wasn't really until I was starting to hang out with folks, you know, same groups that, you know, Esther and I hang out in Norwich, you know, non-binary people and gender non-conforming people that they were starting to talk language that seemed to resonate with me. And now I bear in mind, everybody, I'm now in my early thirties. So this is very late relatively and things started to make sense. Um, and then I went to spend a year in America because my, my wife is American and I started to go to, we hang out at very liberal places, Boulder, Colorado, San Francisco, California, and they were using a lingo like, like it was just their, just their language. They were non-binary, trans, you know, introducing themselves with pronouns. I'm like, what on earth is this? But it felt so normal and it felt great. And then I started to experiment. Like people said, like, if you, Kit, if you want to wear a skirt, wear a skirt. If you want to put nail polish on, put nail polish on. And they were like, you look awesome and all this kind of stuff. And it made me feel good. And that was my first real experience of gender euphoria. And well, there's a lot more I could say, but really it took what to my early to mid thirties before I suddenly realized. And then of course I learned about what being transgender is getting to with a community. And then I realized, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a transgender person. 
So that really is the long story short. <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I can imagine that that's taken a bit of condensing because stuff like this doesn't just kind of happen overnight. And, and it doesn't there's a, there's click a lot like that, of, no. Yeah, and there's got to have been a lot of behind the scenes and so on. So mm. thank you for kind of yeah and that must be difficult this is what you want to say and you you know yeah well one thing i will it's probably is relevant is that during school both primary and secondary i was quite i was bullied a lot you know kids can sense when someone else is different and you know i was i was called like why are you being such a girl you know and stuff like that and things like that are you gay or something you know and i know that some bullies would say that to most people but it, why was it always me so you know and and that's the other that's the other strong memory as well. But, um, but yeah, it's, as I say, it just goes to show that all this thing about, oh, it's a phase, you'll get over it, or it's only now that they're teenagers. No, all my memories now makes total sense back to the age of five. I, I knew without knowing at the age of five. So. Right. Now, wow. sorry, Esther, I need to, I need to follow up with a question before we come back to you. That's cool. <laughs> do, do you think, that now the age that our kids are growing up in so teenagers now in schools are so much more comfortable talking about this so um and it does get described as they're going through a phase and they're just trying on different you know but we all try on different aspects of our personality yep. you know we try different music we go through the phase where we paint our nails black and we you know wear the combat trousers with <laughs> the shell suits in our, in our age yeah <laughs> so but that's because being a teenager is is the point where you're figuring out who you are and do you think that it's a lot easier now for kids to be able to make to have those realizations earlier on because mm. it is more socially acceptable obviously not so much and there's still plenty of homophobia and transphobia and all of the things that yeah. they're facing it's also something they can talk about more is yeah. that a sort of fair assessment i i believe so i mean i i mean whereas i used to work in one school all the time as a full-time teacher i now work in many schools you know uh, and i now and all the schools that i've been in to today the past few years have all have been much more welcoming places. There are kids wearing pronoun badges. There are ones that are saying, you know, come up to me and go, oh, I'm, I'm a non-binary person too. Um, they're not, you know, they're they're out, they're loud, they're proud. They're, there's going to be some kids still in the closet because there could be bullying or whatever. Um, about five years ago, it was a mess, about five, six years ago when I was coming towards the end of my teacher career, there was there was this kid who actually came out in front of her year 10 class in front of assembly as being trans stood up. That was a huge, big deal and moment. It was seen as a massive act of bravery. When I went mm -hmm. back to my school that I taught at just this year for pride schools, pride week, it was, they had a pride stall out in the playground to sell stuff, to raise money for the Norfolk LGBT project you know they had pride flags all over the place the change in just five years from that student you know risking her emotional safety by coming out in front of everybody in year 10 that's how much things have changed um there's still a long way to go i think there's still barriers in place there is one i'm not going to mention there is one school who won't let their kids wear pronoun badges and, and i'm thinking why not for example um because the people see it as a political statement which is 
well, we that is another conversation altogether because uh, I don't know how your identity can be a political statement. But anyway, um, but it has got a lot better. Podcast, sorry, if you're listening on the podcast, we all three rolled our eyes simultaneously. Yeah, at that. yeah. <laughs> I can't see it. So, so you can hear it though. Eye roll. You, you can hear the eye rolling. Yeah, it's but um, <laughs> it is a lot better. Um, I th- systems need to catch up. The kids are already way ahead of us. The systems need to catch yeah. up. Some of these schools don't have a box to say preferred pronouns or preferred names. You know, I will call a kid that I've never met before by their legal name. They go, oh, can you call me this? I'll say, I'm so sorry. I didn't know because I didn't have the paperwork. So there's a long way to go. The kids are way ahead of the system. Um, but, and you young people and parents, this, your teachers and parents, you know your kids are going to experiment. We did when we were teenagers about finding who we are experiment with your gender is just another thing you know it's not a phase it's part of growing up to find out what your identity is okay gender is part of your identity it's just the same as when i go and talk to kids about oh i want to be a fire a fire officer or i want to be an accountant or i want to be a lawyer that's their part of their identity i want to go into artistry i want to do drama i want to take this for gc that's part of their identity I'm not quite sure if I am a feminine person or a max. It's the same journey. It's the same journey. There is no threat from it. And if you yeah. support your youngsters and youngsters, you feel your adults support you, you're going to come out as a genuine human being. And there's going to be so much love in that family, in your friendship, because you're all being genuine and, you know, allowing yourselves to flourish. And I've seen that mm. in schools and I'm seeing that in schools. Mm. That's good. It's, it's good to hear. I mean, my daughter's school have a, a club that they can go to after school so that they can talk to each other and, and kind of have that experience together and just that community, because a sense of community is a massive thing when you're a teenager. If you feel like the, you're the only person who, whatever it is, it's it's lonely and it's it mm. sucks. It's about as eloquent That's as true. I can be with it. It just sucks. Um, yeah. yeah being so, a teenager you're lonely surrounded by a bunch of people yes. it's a very lonely time in life <laughs> it is yeah i hated I it i hated it, it. yeah <laughs> didn't like it one bit i was i was gonna add something actually about the whole it's a phase thing i had a conversation with someone called fleecy who's a very interesting person and they talked about so what if it is a phase that makes it that makes it no less valid you know, there are things we go through in life that like we might like dark chocolate for a while and then we like milk chocolate for a while. Doesn't matter. That was a phase. Doesn't make it any less valid. So, yeah, I, I really liked when they said that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that makes totally. a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I assume this was as part of the, the Fifty Shades of Gender kind of project that you did. Oh, yeah, that was. Yeah. The, the so, chocolate analogy was mine, but the, they added the whole what if it is a phase? Yeah. So, so talk to us about where where did the project come from? What what kind of sparked the idea? Well, my project partner and I were chatting uh, a few years ago about like uh, you know when the book Fifty Shades of Grey was all the rage, and we talked about oh we've got lots of creative ideas and brainstorming all the time. And that they, they were my partner at the time, by the way. So about ten years ago, met my former partner, and they're they're trans non-binary. So. And since then, I've met a lot of people, including Kit, you know, in the community and stuff like that. So we were talking like, why don't we put a book together of 50 stories of local gender diverse people? Like, you know, the binaries and everything in between, you know, in between. That's what I was thinking at the time. But now it would be like more of a 
I don't know, outside of as well that I would include. So, um, but then the idea got shelved and we, we, we were going to call it Fifty Shades of Trans, but then a friend said, why don't you call it Fifty Shades of Gender? And that was a good move, you know, because at the time I had not heard the term non-binary. So that was interesting. But the idea got shelved, as many do. And then at the end of 2018, it just started popping into my head more and more. And I know that's when something needs my attention. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do something with this, how am I going to do it? Because like 50 stories, that's a lot. And then I was like, okay, let's just start with one conversation with a friend and I'll record it and then I'll have it transcribed and then I'll make that into a chapter. How naive I was because transcribing conversation does not a written chapter make, which I've since learned. But anyway, so that's where I started. And um, so I had this I had this chat with them and that, that worked really well. And then I thought, well, I'm going to end up with all these audios. Why don't I use the audio? And then I was like, ding, <laughs> podcast. So the next conversation I was going to have with another friend, basically we sat around my kitchen table, that side actually, yeah. And I approached that next conversation with the idea of using the audio for a podcast. I didn't even know what I was going to do, how I was going to, I did not know anything. I just thought what I need for a podcast is audio. So I'm just going to record some conversations. That's fine. And then I had some more conversations in 2019, handful, and early 2020, a few more. And then about mid 2020, I had 10 conversations, eight of which I was going to use. So at one point, I think I picked, well, I picked Kit's episode that we'd done and I came to UEA for yours, didn't I? So we sat in a room together and um, had it, had our chat. And um, I thought, okay, so I'm just going to write an intro, write an outro, put it together. I was also overthinking lots. I was like, right, I need to learn all the things. I need to, I need to have music and I need to do it, you know, right. Recover and perfectionist here. So that slowed me down a bit, I think, because yes. in the end I was like, oh, just whatever, just do it, just do it. And I made the episode. I stopped overthinking for a brief moment, which is quite an accomplishment, I thought, for myself. And I put the episode out. And that was the end of June 2020. But I think I officially announced it on like the 4th of July, because the 4th of July is like a memorable date for me, because I moved to the UK on the 4th of July 1999 from the Netherlands. So it's my little Independence Day, bless. So, yeah, I, I launched the episode and then I thought, oh, what have I done? Now I need to keep this up, right? Because momentum, consistency, all that stuff, doing it right. So um, I learned as I went. So I used all these conversations that I had. Thank God I had these because if I had to book them in and do all the things as well, I wouldn't have coped very well. So, yeah, I kept doing one a week. And as I went, um, I was, you know, learning all the things and then I ran out and it was a very stressful time for a while. I think until the end of that year, I was constantly like calling people saying like, oh, I've run out. Do you want to be on the podcast? Like friends and stuff. Like, can we can we do it tomorrow? You know, it was a bit like that. And um, then and that just became unsustainable. So I then took a break in December and thought I need to organize myself more. So I took a break and then started planning ahead a bit massive google sheet with all like dates and people and contact you know when did i contact them when do i need to follow up so i became really organized with it and that's worked pretty well since then and then but the thing is i was thinking it was like oh a part-time job you know it's like yeah but what i didn't really actually it was more like a full-time job that i wasn't getting paid for it took up a lot of time but because you love it so much you know and it's like ha, ah, you just don't really you know think about it that much in that way 
But then in October 2021, so about a year ago, I decided to go to fortnightly episodes, so once every two weeks, because it was just taking so much of my time and energy. And uh, that worked really well. And then at the end of last month, I decided to just take a little break for a bit, just to see how it feels without it. Because I think if you do your own thing, and you feel passionate about stuff, I think your sense of self-worth gets very entangled with what you're doing. I think that's very much an entrepreneurial thing. <laughs> I've known for me anyway. So I'm like, oh, I need to maybe unpick that a bit. And also, yeah, like the energy was slowing down. And I feel like something needs to change. Something needs to move or, you know, something. So I feel like I'm very intuitive. So I feel like I'm going to go with that energy. Although it, I didn't sort of click immediately because I think I was trying to keep the momentum going and then struggling. So I was approaching people and they were not getting back to me and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in the end, I was like, oh, I need to take a break. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is that allowed? <laughs> you know, it's like that. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm at at the moment. It's got to be tricky because people, I guess, fall at kind of it's it's very much a scale of like, I do not want to talk about this in public to I must tell everyone because this is really important to talk about. And yeah. we move around on the scale with different things anyway. But mm. um but yeah, it's then finding the people who are who who have the story to tell and want mm. to share it with people. Because yeah. I think I think that's been the thing that's made the biggest difference. I, I mean I'm kind of talking not just about about gender and things, but in terms of neurodivergence in general, there mm. are lots of people who are finding out that actually the way their brain works isn't the way everyone else's brain works because they're watching something on, on reels or on TikTok and identifying with what people are saying and going, Oh my goodness, I think I have ADHD at the age of 41. Mm -hmm. About three weeks ago, that would be me. Like totally. just because you, because you're not inside anyone else's head, you don't, you don't know. You assume that your lived experience is, is relatively normal and everyone feels like this it's it's our own normal right that's that's your normal and I've got mm -hmm. mine and Kit has theirs and all that stuff and I think what actually what Kit was saying earlier like looking back to their experiences when they were little I've been having similar experiences but mostly with neurodivergence rather than sexuality or necessarily gender like I feel like I've been questioning gender since doing this podcast journey and I am in a place now where I'm like hang on a minute so I was assigned female at birth because doctors looked at my genitals and that's where that comes from and then I was socialized and raised as a woman and that led me to having these experiences that I've had and what else does it mean I've no idea so I feel like I'm like what does it mean <laughs> you know so I'm questioning that for myself and also it's one of those, I think, feminist, like smash the patriarchy things. And you, you start seeing all this intersectional stuff to me, like having these conversations about gender has been a pathway into like looking at society and how we're all meant to conform and like, oh, my God, you know, can of worms for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's um, Yeah, I think we're getting better at being ourselves, whatever ourselves means. Mm -hmm. than we have been before there's a lot more there's a lot more in the way of, of role models that we're seeing on on tv and you know the the shows that that kids are watching where they've, they've they're seeing these relationships between people that they haven't seen represented on tv before and mm. it's just becoming a more okay to talk about it which is a step in the right direction but obviously lots of lots of way to go yet 
but yeah, that's um, that's good. So I guess that brings me on to let's talk about this from a from a parent and teenagery point of view. If as a parent or let's kind of go one way then the other, if your child were to come and talk to you and say they're questioning their their gender identity in whatever way or just comes to you and says this is me I am this this is the label that I want to give myself this is who I am how how would you like people to handle it from from your point of view with your experience of of kind of going through this journey and what do you what's the response you wish you got from people and then maybe what's the please don't ever say this to them kind of alternative because that's also useful yeah um so obviously things like oh it's just a phase you'll get anything like that you know um the best the best thing really is just it's just to listen really um because for all the uncertainty maybe you as a parent may be feeling or thinking I can guarantee you that your young person is probably feeling this uncertainty um, 10 times more magnitude more that, you know, and the, also the thing is, is what you've got to bear in mind as well, is that if you're, it's an, if you think of it as your young person is letting you in rather than coming out, that's a really positive way of looking at it because coming out in a, in that or letting in is a massively anxious way of doing things it's it is you can be guaranteed that whoever chooses to do that has mold over the decision to do it for days for weeks for months some people even years um and if they do choose to confide in you it's a sign that they try and they want to trust you so the first thing to do is to understand that that simple act of somebody telling you something, whether it's your own young person or a friend or whatever it is, they are trusting you. They are showing, I want to trust you with this. I really value your you as my parent, as my guardian, as my friend. And they're looking for affirmation. They're not looking for a solution. They're not looking for um, an agony. They're not looking for answers. They're just looking for, okay. Um, you were talking about representation on on TV and stuff like that, and I'm and I'm a I'm a Star Trek nerd. I'm a Trekkie, uh, and I've absolutely been loving um, Star Trek uh, Discovery in particular and Stranger Worlds. And there was this moment in Star Trek Discovery in season three where one of the characters called Adira, um, they're having a conversation in engineering, and the the chief engine the chief science officer they're having a chat and everything like that, and and is using the pronoun she in the third person, and then Adira suddenly starts says they they. And and the chief science officer's like, sorry, I'm I'm not a she, I'm a they. I've never felt comfortable. And he just goes, okay, let's get back to talking about science, you know. And yeah. it was just normalised, and like Love that it. hit me in the feels. Everybody that scene, and then there was this beautiful scene later on in that same episode where where a deer had fallen asleep on the console because they've worked so hard on this on this science problem. And the gay, the gay space couple come in and they talk about, oh, they've worked themselves so hard. It's like, yeah, do, do you think we should leave them alone or take them back to their quarters or whatever like that? And it was just instant, you know. So it's quite difficult. And don't get hooked up about whether singular they is grammatically proper or nothing. Like, it is. Um, yeah, but, you know, 
it's that doesn't matter that doesn't matter so it's you're not trying to find a solution they just want someone to listen to and just let them get on with it my eldest who is a sign male at birth what's well, just trying on dresses at the moment seeing if it fits seeing seeing you know feels good about them you should have seen the the smile on their face the first time they put on a dress does that why does it matter if it puts a smile on their face wonderful right if it makes you feel uncomfortable try not to express that outwardly in that moment we all our emotional brains take over before our logical brains take over that's normal you're not a bad person if you're if your emotional brain takes over first try and resist that temptation you know the 10 second count always helps your logical brain come back in um and then go and find help yourself to talk about i'm not sure about this stuff but in that moment it's okay i'm not quite sure you know i'll try and figure out how i can support you but i hear you thanks for telling me i've realized you trust me let's see how this goes that's all you really and you won't know what the hell to do you won't know what the hell to do and that's okay and that is completely okay so um and then you can go and read up on stuff you can listen to esther's podcast i'll keep plugging it esther you know it's not my podcast i can plug it you, you can listen to esther's but you can go on you know and read some some things and also i'd say make sure that you read articles books um listen to podcasts which are by gender non-conforming people themselves and their allies don't touch anything else from anybody else because there's always bias and a skewed narrative otherwise um it's not a perfect answer but you know that's what i would say <laughs> yeah but i think it's a it's a good answer i uh yeah i, I can imagine it's uh, as a parent you kind of instantly go oh my gosh but and you you see all the possibilities and you see i i think the biggest thing as a parent is probably you're going but your life is going to be so difficult if you've made this choice. I'm doing air quotes at this yeah, point. It's, yeah, air quotes, because it's not a choice. You don't it's choose to be. Tra- you choose whether to come out or let people in. You don't choose to be transgender or gender non-conforming, and that's the yeah. other thing. The the choice that has been made is to let people into this really precious piece of information about this person. This really make that makes them very very vulnerable. And um, as so folks, especially parents uh, listening, you may have remember the the movie Juno. Um, and there's a lovely scene in Juno, and that's actually because Elliot Page, of course, is a trans man uh, who plays the lead character in Juno, and his and his character sits down um, of Juno sits so the character sits her parents down and i've got something to tell you and they're on edge they're on edge and they go i'm pregnant and i go oh thank god oh i thought i thought you were gonna say you were do you were doing drugs or something like that or or that you're you know but no she could have said i'm gay i'm I'm pregnant whatever it didn't matter but you know and that's the reaction it's like Oh, okay. Oh, fine. Oh, I thought you said that, you know, you've got in trouble with the mafia or something. Oh, no. What, 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 what? Okay, great. Thanks for telling us. No, right. What are we going to do about it? Let's let's see how we can support you. That's, you know, yeah. that's that's another good thing. You know, it's a good movie as well. You should watch it. <laughs> yeah, and I guess logic-wise, there are lots of things that are going to make things more difficult for our kids. You know, if they're oh, crikey, yeah. short and they need help getting things off the top shelf, if they're yes. short-sighted, all of those things, we can't help. I mean, climate change, but I won't go into geography, but (laughs) yeah, just right. Awesome. And then I guess the other question is from, from the other side of it, if 
if people are listening to this and thinking, I need to let people in, I've been waiting to do this for too long. Um, I, I guess how to how to open those conversations or how to I don't know how to get up the yes I'm going to do this. I, I suppose that's more of a personal thing, really, isn't it? I'm going to defer to Esther. What maybe some of your guests? Yeah. What, hmm. they said anything to you about this because I've got my own story but I've talked enough so far so yeah no, you're right I was thinking this is more suited to you but anyway my my 50 cents my two cents has I don't know Your 50, 50 shades, shades. 50 shades. I don't know. Like it. it's fine. my 50 shades <laughs> my work, um, yeah. so, <laughs> some shameless plugs all over the place so yeah I feel like a lot of people are maybe they they come out like coming out is not a moment it's not like you get a podium and you announce it to the world it's like you come out to maybe a person you trust, could be a friend, could be a relative, I don't know. But people try and test the water, don't they? Um, and then it's like a state stages, and then maybe they gain a bit more confidence if it's well-received, and then they might tell more people. And there's going to be challenges as well, because it depends on, you know, sometimes people think, oh, my God, my parents are not going to understand. And they, people might surprise you, but that can be positive or it can be negative. And people that you thought, might not understand they do and people you think would be supportive are not you know so it is it is so tricky to find that balance but I think it is like a a step at a time talk to someone you trust and like yeah take it from there I suppose that's that's what I'm feeling yeah and as for parents as well another thing that I was thinking about is from the parents I've spoken to one in particular said um, she spoke about ring theory which is like if you have reactions to like your child coming out or someone close to you coming out, you might have very diff- difficult feelings that you're dealing with. But the, the the person who's going through that experience is not the person to talk to about it because they've got their own stuff to deal with, you know. So it's up to you to find support, like find support elsewhere, Get, go to a support group, find like-minded people or people going through similar experiences so you're free to voice your, you know, voice your feelings. Because I think if you were to voice your feelings to the actual person, it could be really, really hurtful. Because sometimes you hear parents say, God, I feel like my my son has died. Do you know what I mean? And this child is like feeling more alive for the first time than ever, you know. So it can be really, really tricky to find that balance. And you have to be really careful with how you um, manage that, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's like what we said, you know, it's when your emotional brain takes over and, and you're a human yeah. being, you're going to have those instinctive reactions or as the as the kids call it nowadays, the hot takes, you know. Um, so did I get that right, teenagers? Um, but <laughs> but it's yeah. And and I'd say to, you know, to folks as well, you know, young people in particular is you will do it initially with, you know, in the way that you feel most safe at first. So in in that vein, parents and carers, if if you are not the first person your young person tells, do not take offense or do not see that as a sign of mistrust or not of love. It's because, you know, let's face it, when, when my kids grow up, I don't I'm not expecting them to come to me first with their issues they're going to speak to their friends first they're going to speak to their best friend you know whoever you could even be a teacher whatever 
and that's okay. That's normal. They live with me, you know, 24 seven that they're not, you know, they feel, they'll feel safe in this house, hopefully in one way, but you know, but they'll want to rebel and be independent in another way. So, so now you can see that now that our logical brain, our rational brain is taken over, like, well, yeah, actually it's fine. And that's what happened to me. You know, I first came out to, you know, my closest friends first to, to my, my, I was lucky enough that I felt able to come out to my wife very early as well. And, um, and I didn't come out to my wider networks, including my parents, until a bit later. And and the other thing to bear in mind is that, well, how, why am I not a little bit further up the pecking order, you know? And then rather than turning that to the person themselves, the young person themselves, as Esther just said, you know, look at yourself and say, okay, am I creating the right environment, the right atmosphere where my young person could not just talk to me about gender identity or anything, but talk about any issue, any problem, you know? It could be, you know, issues they're having at school. You know, why won't you tell me what's going on at school? How many times have you had that conversation with a young person? Yeah. It's like, why don't you, something, something, something at school, you're not telling me. Well, you know, there's obviously an, an atmosphere which is, which is preventing that from happening. doesn't mean you're to blame. It's just the way it, way it goes. Um, so, yeah, it's that, that ring fear is a really great idea about, getting getting help from some other person and that's what my my wife did she won't mind me saying this when i first told her you know she didn't know how to feel because of course for her to go from um you know she always thought she was heterosexual and she was married to a man but of course she's not and now with no control herself her identity has changed and yet her identity has not changed you know what i mean so she's had to come to terms with that but rather than and we're quite close so we were able to talk it out for a bit but she was able to talk to other people like um you know like katie for example uh, who this is close with and figure it out that way and it's helped her a lot so and there are so many good excellent amazing support groups out there who will help you with that who will be non-judgmental who'll accept you like if you're finding things difficult and, and whatnot so so yes yeah, so young people you you should never be forced to uh out of the closet in a way that you don't want to and the way you come out should be completely up to you it could be by if you feel safe is coming out by a text message by a facebook post or social media or by a quiet conversation you know i didn't do i didn't do the whole let's sit down on the sofa have a cup of tea a glass of wine i need to tell you something i didn't why because my identity is not an issue it's me so I didn't bother with the whole, can I sit down and talk to you, please? I just went, oh, yeah. Um, I just went on social media. Myself. I said, by the way, it's my birthday today. And I think it's a good time to celebrate myself. I'm transgender. Thank you. So <laughs> deal with it, basically. So <laughs> Thank you for coming and, and to then, my TED Talk. <laughs> thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And uh, I did get some people message me and say, why don't you tell me in person? I said, because it's not a big deal. You know? And Such a can, good point. You know, People take it personally, it, don't they? Yeah, they can. can. You, and that, yeah. Ah, that's exactly what I said. I said. I said you might just want to reflect on why you may be feeling bothered by why that. you feel entitled to this information before anyone else. That's a that's Absolutely. a that's a sore point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. We we don't jump on Facebook and go. I've decided that I am going no. to spend most of my time knitting from now on. Knitting is my new hobby. Like, if you don't... <laughs> don't yeah, and people be like, yeah, great. I don't care. Folks, we won't <laughs> hold know? it against you about the knitting. Okay, no, knitting is complete. <laughs> crocheting, love it. I mean, I've got crochet. My wife does brilliant crochet Totoro's and, and Studio Ghibli characters. It's oh, wicked. amazing. Yeah. I, I knit a bat blankie for one of my nephews when he was oh first born. So the Batman That's 
amazing. Back. ADHD hyperfixation, somewhat, but yeah, loved it. How you, get, it you get stuff done, don't you? That that does oh, yeah. work. Yeah. Oh, another thing I thought about, by the way, was like it also like someone coming out who's close to you. And like you said, kid, about your wife, you know, having having to, you know, process all that. I think it confronts us with our own attachment to our labels like that we're attached to heterosexual, bisexual. When I met Katie, my, my project partner, I, I thought I was bi, basically. Um, I was that's what I thought I was. And then I thought, oh, there's this person who does not conform to the stereotypical man woman binary. So what does that make me? And then I felt like I wanted to let that label evolve, but it took a bit. I felt like I noticed I was quite attached to being bisexual. And then I thought, and although some people who are bi include like all genders as well. So it's not like it only means just two. It means two or more, I guess, two or more, um, depending yeah. on the person. So, but for me, I was like, oh, actually, I think pansexual works better. And Katie mm -hmm. introduced me to that term. And I was like, oh, yeah, that feels more inclusive to me because where I'm at now, I feel like I need, I need to, in being more inclusive in that in in myself yes. you know i'm not saying bisexual is not inclusive enough you know that's not what i'm saying just for myself you know so that was a really interesting experience and noticing like i think that's why some people struggle with it because also i think from a parent's point of view perhaps they have a certain they're concerned obviously as you were saying emily about what does that mean for my child are they going to be safe i think that's a big thing obviously but also it's like People are attached to having a son or a daughter and what they and what that actually means for them. You know, that we can be very rigid about about those things, you know. Yeah. So that's another mm. another random thought I thought I'd throw in. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, just just for the we were talking about labels again, just for those who don't know, pansexual is not this whole silly thing on social media about, oh, you like pans and pancakes. No. So pansexual <laughs> means means you you can be attracted to any gender, basically. So yeah. and pan comes from is the prefix, you know, you've heard of pandemic, you know, the spread of a disease when it's all the way around the world, you know, a panorama all the way around. So pansexual, you know, everything all the way, all the way around. So um, I love yeah, regardless of the gender. Conversation. <laughs> yeah, teachers, we just, you're seeing yeah. like ADHD plus teacher, you know, just old habits die hard. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I guess um, unless there is anything else you particularly want to talk about that we haven't covered that you think would be useful, I'll let you think about that just because, you know, just spring that on you. Yeah, have me um, an immediate answer. No. Tons of rabbit holes, really, but, you know, that's, yeah, that's for another thing, time. I think yeah, that's yeah, there's so many different – as you said, you said the word intersectional earlier, gender, mm. uh, with gender and – colonial processes and neurodivergency you know all that kind of stuff you know it's it's pretty yeah you could go down a rabbit hole because you know a transgender person can also have adhd can also be a person of color can also be disabled so you know there's so many it's, and, and but that just what makes life so interesting and rich and this massive fantastic tapestry that we have of planet earth with all the people on it um, the one, the one anecdote I will say, Emily, one thing I, I want to make sure everybody understands is, um, you know, this whole going back to it's a fad, it's a phase kind of thing is that, oh, there are so many more kids who are saying they are trans or non-binary nowadays, you know, obviously they're all getting, okay. The, the, the anecdote to that always is find a graph online 
I'm not going to use the, the G word. Being a geographer, you can use Ecosia web browser, sustainable web browser, plants, trees. Um, look for graph of left-handedness. Okay. And you'll see that over time, there was, there was a low instance of the number of people who were identified as left-handed or were left-handed. And the graph suddenly grows and it plateaus. So what? Left-handedness suddenly became a fad? It's like, no, it's because left-handedness, which was societally shunned, if you were, you know, it was back in the day that when you were left-handed and you were caught right left-handed, you'd get the cane on that hand and you were forced to write with your right hand, right? Because it was seen improper. But then it became acceptable to be left-handed. It's like, why would you not be? And then all of a sudden there was a rise in the number of people. No, it was just the people were not now scared of being left-handed. It's the same thing with people's identity. It is There's not an increase in the number of people with a gender identity or transgender identity or whatever. It is that more and more of us are feeling safe and secure of becoming public and letting people in with that fact. So we are, the, we, you know, that's to bear that in mind. Um, and of course, speaking of final thing I'll say as geographers, we've just had the, we've got the census data coming out now for the very first time in 200 years. They actually asked the optional question about what your sexual identity is, your sexual orientation is, and what your gender identity is, if it's different from when you were born. And me as a geographer, I'm really looking forward to that data. And I bet you folks, you're going to be very surprised about what the findings come out of that. There's going to be more people than you realize who are already out there who identify as gender non-conforming. I'm quite excited about that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that is the perfect place to uh, to finish this. So thank you so, so much for coming on and talking to us about this. Hopefully that's, I, well, I was going to say, hopefully that's answered lots of questions, but no, I think hopefully Probably that's raised you realize that Hopefully that raises a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As it should. That's what life's all about. Yes. Yeah. They, they don't need to be answers because it's a journey we're all going on together and we're going to figure Indeed. it out as we go along. Yep. So massive, massive thank you both. Oh, thank you so thank much you. for having us, Emily. And thank you everybody for listening and uh, lots of love and best wishes for all your journeys. Thanks for listening to the Parent Guide to Education podcast. Please favourite or follow us on your preferred podcast app to ensure you get notified as each episode is released. We'd also be grateful if you could leave us a great review or rating. See you on the next episode.